Chapter Thirteen of The Well at the World's End, Book One, The Road Unto Love. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Agnew. Book One of The Well at the World's End by William Morris. Chapter Thirteen. THE STREETS OF THE BURG OF THE FOUR FRITHS He went about the streets, and found them all much like to the one which they had entered by the north gate. He saw no poor or wretched houses, and none very big as of great lords. They were well and stoutly builded, but as aforesaid not much adorned either with carven work or painting. There were folk enough in the streets, and now Ralph, as was like to be, looked specially at the women, and thought many of them little better favoured than the men, being both dark and low, neither were they gaily clad, though their raiment, like their houses, was stout and well wrought. But here and there he came on a woman taller and whiter than the others, as though she were of another blood. All such of these as he saw were clad otherwise than the darker women their heads uncoiffed, uncovered save for some garland or silken band, their gowns yellow like wheat straw, but gaily embroidered, sleeveless withal and short, scarce reaching to their ankles, and whilst so thin that they were rather clad with the embroidery than the cloth. Shoes they had not, but sandals bound on their naked feet with white thongs, and each bore an iron ring about her right arm. The more part of the men wore weapons at their sides, and had staves in hand, and were clad in short jerkins brown or blue of colour, and looked readily for battle if any moment should call them thereto. But among them were men of different favour and stature from these, taller for the most part, unarmed, and clad in long gowns of fair colours, with cloths of thin and gaily coloured web twisted about their heads. These he took for merchants, as they were oftenest standing in and about the booths and shops, whereof there were some in the streets, though the market for victuals and such like he found over for that day, but scantily peopled. Out of one of these markets, which was the fish and fowl market, he came into a long street that led him down to a gate right over against that whereby he had entered the burg, and as he came thereto, he saw that there was a wide way clear of all houses inside of the wall, so that men-at-arms might go freely from one part to the other, and he had also noted that a wide way led from each port out of the great place, and each ended not but in a gate, but as to any castle in the town he saw none, and when he asked the burgher thereof, and the carl laughed in his face, and said to him that the whole burg, houses and all, was a castle and that it would turn out to be none of the easiest to win. And forsooth Ralph himself was much of that mind. Now he was just within the south gate when he held this talk, and there were many folk thereby already, and more flocking thereto. So he stood there to see what should be tied, and anon he heard a great blowing of horns and trumpets all along the wall, and as he deemed other horns answered from without. And so it was, for soon 
the withoutward horns grew louder, and the folk fell back on either side of the way, and next the gates were thrown wide open, which before had been shut save for a wicket, and thereafter came the first of a company of men-at-arms, footmen with bills some, and some with bows, and all armed knights and sergeants a-horseback. So streamed in these weaponed men, till Ralph saw that it was a great host that was entering the burg, and his heart rose within him. So warrior-like they were of men and array, though no big men of their bodies, and many of them bore signs of battle about them, both in the battering of their armor and the rending of their raiment, and the clouts tied about wounds on their bodies. After a while, among the warriors came herds of neat and flocks of sheep and strings of horses, of the spoil which the host had lifted, and the wains filled, some of the weapons and war-gear, and some with bales of goods and household stuff. Last, some captives, some going afoot, and some for weariness borne in wains. For all these war-taken thralls were women and women-children. Of males there was not so much as a little lad. Of the women many seemed fair to Ralph, despite their grief and travel, and as he looked on them he deemed that they must be of a kindred and nation of the fair white women he had seen in the streets, though they were not clad like those, but diversely. So Ralph gazed on this pageant till it all had passed, and he was weary with the heat and the dust and the confused clamour of shouting and laughter and talking. And whereas most of the folk followed after the host and their spoil, the streets of the town thereabout were soon left empty and peaceful. So he turned into a street narrower than most, that went east from the south gate, and was much shaded from the afternoon sun, and went slowly down it, meaning to come about inside of the wall till he should hit the east gate, and so into the great palace, when the folk should have gone their ways home. He saw no folk in the street save here and there an old woman sitting at the door of her house, and maybe a young child with her. As he came to where the street turned somewhat, even such a carline was sitting on a clean white doorstep, on the sunny side, somewhat shaded by a tall rose-laurel tree in a great tub. And she sang as she sat spinning, and Ralph stayed to listen in his idle mood, and he heard how she sang in a dry, harsh voice. Clashed sword on shield in the harvest field, and no one blames the red, red flames. War's candle wick on roof and rick, now dead lies the yeoman, unwept and unknown. On a field he hath furrowed, the ridge he has sown, and all in the middle of weathers and neat. The maidens are driven with blood on their feet, for yet twixt the burg gate and battle half won, the dust-driven highway creeps up hill and on, and the smoke of the beacons goes coiling aloft while the gathering horn bloweth loud louder and oft throw wide the gates for not night waits though the chase is dead the moon's o'erhead 
and we need to clear our spoil to share shake the lots in the helm then for brethren are we and the goods of my missing are gainful to thee lo thine are the weathers and his are the kind and the colts of the marshland unbroken are thine with a dapple grey stallion that trampled his groom and giles had the bold blossom rose of the loom lo leaps out the last lot and not have i won but the maiden unmerry by battle undone even as her song ended came one of those fair yellowed gowned damsels round the corner of the street bearing in her hand a light basket of flowers and she lifted up her head and beheld ralph there then she went slowly dropping her eyelids and it was pleasant to ralph to behold her for she was as fair as need be her corn-coloured gown was dainty and thin but for its silver embroidery had hidden her limbs but little the rosiness of her ankles showed amidst her white sandal thongs and there were silver rings and gold on her arms along with an iron ring now she lifted up her eyes and looked shyly at ralph and he smiled at her well pleased and deemed it would be good to hear her voice so he went up to her and greeted her and she seemed to take his greeting well though she glanced swiftly at the carline in the doorway said ralph fair maiden i am a stranger in this town and i have seen things i do not wholly understand now wilt thou tell me before i ask the next question who will be those war-taken thralls whom even now i saw brought into the burg by the host of what nation be they and of what kindred straightway was the damsel all changed she left her dainty tricks and drew herself up straight and stiff she looked him in the eyes flushing red and with knit brows a moment and then passed by him with swift and firm feet as one both angry and ashamed but the carline who had beheld the two with a grin on her wrinkled face changed aspect only and cried out fiercely after the damsel and said what dost thou flee from the fair young man and he so kind and soft with thee thou jade yea i suppose thou dost fetch and carry for some mistress who is young and a fool and who has not yet learned how to deal with the daughters of thine accursed folk ah if i had but money to buy some one of you and a good one she should do something else for me than showing her fairness to young men i would pay her for her long legs and her white skin till she should curse her fate that she had not been born little and dark-skinned and free and with the heels unbloodied with the blood of her back thus she went on though the damsel was long out of earshot of her curses and ralph tarried not to get away from her spiteful babble which he now partly understood and that all those yellow-clad damsels were thralls to the folks of the burg and belike were of the kindred of those captives taken whom he had seen amidst the host at its entering into the burg so he wandered away thence thinking on what he should do till the sun was set and he had come into the open space underneath the walls and had gone along it till he came to the east gate there he looked around him a little and found people flowing back from the great palace whereto they had gathered to see the host mustered and the spoiled blessed 
then he went on still under the wall and noted not that here and there a man turned about to look upon him curiously for he was deep in thought concerning the things which he had seen and heard of and pondered much of what might have befallen his brethren since they sundered at the wantway nigh to the high house of the upmeads withal the chief thing that he desired was to get away from the burg for he felt himself unfree therein and he said to himself that he had been forced to dwell among this folk that he had better never have stolen himself away from his father and mother and whiles even he thought that he would do his best on the morrow to get him back to the upmeads again but then when he thought of how his life would go on in his old home there seemed to him a lack and when he questioned himself as to what the lack was straightway he seemed to see that lady of the wildwood standing before the men-at-arms in her scanty raiment the minute before his life was at adventure because of them and in sooth he smiled to himself then with a beating heart and told himself that above all things he desired to see that lady whatever she might be and that he would follow his adventure to the end until he met her amidst these thoughts he came unto the north gate whereby he had first entered the burg and by then it was as dark as the summer night would be so he woke up from his dream as it were and took his way briskly back to the flower de luce end of chapter thirteen recording by mary agnew